we're in this big body positive movement. And while I think that's great and all, it's really putting so much emphasis on body, body, body. And to me, I really feel like we need to pull away from that. Just really kind of go into more what's behind that. You know, what's even deeper than the body. Like that is, that's what's more important to me. All right, here we go again, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. And hello. Welcome back to The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a NICU nurse, blogger, grad school student, and podcaster. I'm Sam. I am a flight nurse, college professor, powerlifter, and alleged Instagram curator. (laughs) And co-host of The Selfie Show. Right. And this week we're talking off the clock about... Body image. We've been waiting to do this one for a long time. Oh my gosh. Yes, we have. We've been waiting. We've been wanting to do this episode for quite some time. And we did it. We did do it. And now we redid it because we're like, we could be better. Yeah. It's funny because we recorded that, uh, what, a month ago? Almost two. Like, this was pre-me being co-host. Yes. We had recorded it and then made the decision to have you come on. And we re-listened to it and we're like, oh, we need to redo this. I think it was just, we have a better flow. We have way better vibes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited about this episode, you guys. This is something that I think so many women and men also struggle through and something that I think it is on the forefront. We are talking about it, but I think that we just have so much here to talk to you about today. We're really going to be, you know, going into this one. We're going to be going into this topic. It's something that's very personal to both of us. So I think we're both very passionate about the subject. I am very passionate. We'll get into that, but we're really excited to dive in. All right. Married girl tip of the week. Yeah, here we go. Okay. So I feel like this kind of came up this week. And so I think it's actually, it's probably something I should talk about, but it's more the idea of owning when you're wrong. I am so good at that. That's why I'm single. Because that's how terrible I am at that. It's so hard. Oh my god. It's so so, hard. It's I'm a Capricorn. I just I'm very rarely wrong. And when I am, I have to very much humble myself to admit it and apologize. It's so hard. Or you know, I'm just gonna stay single forever for that reason. (laughs) alone. I'm undateable. I don't know. I just had a couple things happen this week where um, Jacob was just like at his wits end with me. So Did he have to check you? Yeah. 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 And so I just had to own it. I had to wear it. Well, first, the first initial reaction is not good, right? It's like, yeah, I get defensive and mad. I'm like, "Mm, no. And then, you know, you let it marinate overnight and then you're like, oh, crap. Oh, you're kind of right. So, yeah, I think it's just like a little message of like, you know, own when you're wrong and um, learn from it together and be able to like move forward. And I think that's, you know, it's a big part of relationships, you know. I think that's big because I think your partner really feels appreciated and listened to when you're able to come back and apologize and say I was wrong or own it. It's so hard. (laughs) I'm proud of you. Look at you. (laughs) We're making strides here. Good, because you guys are like... My, I know. Like, I'm your third wheel. You just need so to move in. I need harmony in the Rambo and household. Moses have their own little bed here now. Yeah, seriously, because <laughs> they're moving in too. We're all moving in. Yes. I, honestly, this drive from Orange County I know. up to LA is like it's a thing. It's a thing. So I might just move in here. I know. Okay, so uh, let's hear your tip of the week, girl. What What are we working with? All right. So now you know. I'm like, 
in my mid thirties, which <laughs> is the whole thing in and of itself. And I'm just like, yeah. all right, you need to be more open-minded, Samantha. Oh. Because mm-hmm. you are very particular. You like what you like. Facts. And I just realized that there, I'm probably missing out on some quality people that I don't even give them a chance. Mm. Because in my mind, it's not what I have like pictured for what I want. or And I think it's totally okay to have what you want and right. to have standards in place. And I think you should. I'd rather be single than like settle. Right. Absolutely. So I think. But this is a different kind of thing. It's a different kind of thing. I think it's, yeah, as you're dating someone and you're like, they're not meeting my needs or we're not headed in the same direction. We don't want the same things. This isn't going to work. That's mm-hmm. totally fair. Yeah. But I think for me, I need to be just like a little more open-minded mm-hmm. to initial just first dates. Not okay. like you can really first date in COVID times because this sucks. I'm sorry. Dating during a pandemic is trash. Trash. But even just what to like, this? you know, have a little like virtual uh, video chat yeah, or whatever, okay. like just you know, or who you, who you want to match with, whatever. Yeah. Feel it to out. Be a little more open-minded. If my initial reaction is like, eh, pass, like, Hey, give him a chance. Okay. You could be surprised. Yeah. You could be wrong. Cause I feel like I need to just be a little more open to different types of people this hey, year. Hey, it's 2021 girl. I you know. know. It's now or never. Yeah. It's a vibe. It's a you vibe. Know, here we so go. That's, that's my tip. Just keep an open mind. You Love never that. know. You know, the love of your life could be the last person you expected. Absolutely. Or you could just be single forever like me. (laughs) Either way, you know, (laughs) the choice is yours. So, woo, let's do that. Let's do question of the week. All right, here we go. This one was a good one and I think actually really aligns with this week. We actually got quite a few really good questions. I love them. I'm so excited to tackle some of these in the next few episodes. We, we, I was actually surprised at how good these were. And so we, it's been, we had to weed through this because there's a bunch of really good ones, but this one definitely aligns with this week. So the question was, what are some self-care ideas that you have that actually help? I like the word actually. She, she definitely put Use that in there. Use the word actually. Like, okay, so there's self-care, but what actually helps? 100%, which I don't disagree with. Okay, so let's hear Let's hear it. All right. I'm big on self-care, but I'm terrible at it. And here's why. Taking the time to actually acknowledge that you need to do some self-care. Everyone's going to find their own tips and tricks that work for them. Maybe you're a bath type of person. Maybe you're a gardener. Maybe you're go get a massage, go to the beach. It's really hard to be that specific to say this self-care tip works for me or for you. Some people journal, some people meditate. None of that matters if you can't actually recognize that you are in need of that tune-up, that you're in need of self-care. And then on top of that, scheduling the time and carving it out. I am a go, 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 go. I have two jobs. I do this podcast. I'm a stress ball. I don't ever know how to slow down and take time off. And I've recently suffered some pretty tragic loss in my family. And I almost was going to not even take off work and just start working again. And I was like, Sam, what is actually wrong with you? That is not healthy. That is not taking care of yourself. And so I ended up taking the full week off of work, which I've never even done this whole year. And I can't tell you what a relief and weight off my chest it feels to know that I have the time now. I don't know how I'm going to spend it. I spent this weekend deep cleaning my entire house, scrubbing baseboards. I took a magic eraser to my walls. I cleaned out the freezer, the fridge. Yeah, it feels good. I did. And it felt amazing. To me, the actual physical act of cleaning is very therapeutic. Yeah, because it's 
takes a lot of like physicality and you're putting your energy towards something. And I am the type of person where I build up this energy. But at the flip side of that, then you wake up and you have this beautiful clean house and it smells good and it feels good. And to walk around and feel everything's organized and clean brings good energy into my life. So and I you got love those flowers. I know. And, and I buy myself yeah. flowers every week. And all those are like my little self-care tips that are kind of not the norm. But I think in general, recognizing that you need self-care and then carving out the time to do something for yourself. Yeah, I think that's a big one. Because everyone's different. Like, what do you do? Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, it, and I think this is a big thing for healthcare providers in general, where we don't, we go, 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 go. And we don't stop to really think about, you know, what we need. And that's kind of where the burnout comes out. And we take I, care of everyone else but ourselves. Correct. Like, I think we we do. And we and that's not just that's nurses, RTs, PTs, OTs, that's doctors, everyone. That's, you know, I think that's just something we're all kind of guilty of. And I think if there's not really like a one size fits all on this, but I do think it's something where we all need to recognize that, you know, we tend to be in that in that profession where the expectation is like selflessness. It's like you are expected, you know, you're giving, giving, giving to to so many people in different ways and we forget to kind of turn it on ourselves you and I both have had those moments where we're like I'm so burnt to the core like I, I can't I have nothing else to give and it does affect your home relationships and um, Sam and I've you know talked about that and we have a lot more to go into about that but for me personally, that really has to do with taking time away from the hospital. I love getting me a pedicure. I'm a look good, feel good girl. And we're going to go into that today, into the topic. But, you know, being able to even just like get my hair done and being able to take time away. I also really love curating. I like making things, aka this podcast, a blog, being able to get creative. Like that's fun for me. That is something that I really enjoy doing away from my professional life. And I think Finding the things that you love, working out, you know, working out for both of us in different ways is, you know, Sam likes a power lift and I like to go for my runs on the beach or, you know, doing my own little things. So I think finding the things that fill you up and actually, you know, it's not a one size fits all, you know, or maybe it's like going to grab, you know, drinks with a girlfriend or, you know, if it's your kids, like maybe you get a babysitter for an hour and you go do something, go shopping at Target, like, or just go, you know. I love that you said away from the hospital because I know people that have, they're maxed out on PTO. And I'm like, how? <laughs> I've never been maxed out on PTO in my entire nine Nor years as a nurse. I'm in negative hours right now. Yeah. You guys, I actually owe my job vacation hours. I'm negative 18.79 PTO uh, yeah. hours. Didn't even know that was possible. That's fine. But I think that goes to say, like, use them. I know some people that are so maxed out. And I'm like, why are you working yourself to death? Take two weeks off. Have a staycation. Yeah. Even if you're not going anywhere. And obviously... COVID times, traveling isn't necessarily possible, but staycations are awesome. Yeah. And sometimes you just need that time to recharge for yourself. So if you're a workaholic, step away. Yeah. And step I, get, away. I get the Use your hard. PTO. Yeah. You I mean, don't be as irresponsible as I am and have none left and be in a negative balance. I don't <laughs> recommend that either. But if you're one of those people that never takes a vacation and you're maxed out on PTO, why? Why? I take a month understand. off or something. Take a minute. Take a staycation. I do. I think that's important. I think it's a really good one. Sam and I have been ruminating and, and really, you know, focusing or trying to figure out. We wanted to bring you the best episode we possibly could for this topic because this is a really important one. And I think one that 
both of us are very passionate about and obviously a very big topic. Like this covers a lot of ground. And it's deeply personal and we're we open up a lot about our own personal lives. So we wanted to do it right. And body image, it's deep. It's very it's deep. so much more than surface level, even though you're talking about your exterior and your surface. So we took a long time to really break down how we wanted to go about this. And I don't know, let's dive in, man. I don't think that there honestly is a single woman out there who, if you're really honest with yourself, that you haven't had a bad either body or image day, right? I'm having a bad hair day right now. Yeah. And I mean, this goes for the guys too. I mean, this isn't just women. This is everybody. I mean, I feel like there is not a single person that's gone out there where you're like, I haven't had an insecurity or something like we all struggle with this. And that doesn't exclude healthcare providers. I feel like we're probably the most guilty of this and we don't, you know, we just don't talk about it. We don't platform it. We don't want to show that raw and real side of ourselves because that would be vulnerable and that isn't what we're supposed to quote unquote display to the world. But it is important and it is something that so many of us struggle with and whether it's closeted or not. I mean, we, Sam and I really want to open up to you about our things and, you know, we just really feel like fat doesn't mean unhealthy, right? Yeah. Let's break down some barriers right off the bat um, of what a healthy body type is supposed to be. Right. There you go. And I think working in healthcare, we do that too. It is stereotyped as if you're skinny, you're healthy. And if you're fat, you're unhealthy. Right. And I think that even provides bad healthcare because if a woman comes into the doctor's office complaining of these ailments, she gets overlooked, just lose weight. Your knee hurts because you need to lose weight. Your back hurts because you need to lose weight. You're having menstrual problems because you need to lose weight. And it's like, it's deeper than that. Right. It's not always that simple. Yes, maybe that's a contributing factor, but sometimes they get flat out ignored. Right. And then skinny people on the plus side are also not getting as good of healthcare because sometimes things are getting missed and people aren't even realizing that there's things going on with them. Oh, well, they look, they look healthy. They look like they're in shape. Totally. Could be, you know, we're in our heads. It's like, this could be hormone disorders. This could be autoimmune diseases. Like there's a lot of different variety of things that this could go into. And, you know, ultimately being thin doesn't just mean that you're healthy. Absolutely. It doesn't mean that you're sleeping well, that you're eating nutritiously. We could all be doing the exact same thing. We could be doing the same workout, the same diet, and all have very different outcomes. Absolutely. There's no one size fits all on this topic. And I think we just really want to dive deep into what it means, you know, to really kind of go into body image as a whole. And, you know, as women, we are very critical of our bodies, especially and each other's now. bodies. Yeah. Stop that. Yes, I know. Stop it. Yeah. And we're going to dive into a little bit of, you know, our, from our perspectives and, you know, obviously you guys, this is, it could be a little bit of a triggering um, episode, but we really want to speak our truths and we want to, you know, be raw and real and open with you guys about this. And, you know, again, this is not a one size fits all, but it is something that I think we felt very strongly we wanted to talk about with you. Let's go. Let's get in. Let's get into it. So something that Sam and I had really talked about early on and something that I had heard on another podcast was the idea of a body neutral mindset. And I love that. And because, you know, we we're in this big, you know, sort of body positive movement. And while I think that's great and all, 
it's really putting so much emphasis on body, body, body. And to me, it's almost like, I really feel like we need to pull away from that. Absolutely. And just really kind of go into more what's behind that, you know, what's even deeper than the body. Like that is, that's what's more important to me. And I think we've come so far because we came from a society where at first it was, we are glorifying the perfect skinny stereotypical body. Oh, yeah, 100%. And then we did shift into this more body positivity where we're sub- celebrating body diversity, bigger bodies. And I think that's great and it's necessary. And, you know, the average size woman is like a size 12 or something. Don't quote me on that, but it's definitely not a sample size too. Right. I can tell you that. <laughs> and so to actually see people who yeah. look more like you in magazines and the media has been a great push. But I think what you're getting at with being body neutral is the fact that let's focus on what your body can do for you. Yeah. My body carries me through a 12-hour shift when I'm saving lives. My body can pick up really heavy weights. I haven't had children, but my body could be capable of birthing a child. Totally. My body is capable of all of these things that should be celebrated. And I think having that focus on what your body is capable of and can do is such a positive, empowering thing instead of it being so centered on looks. Right. And I love that. Bottom line is like, there's things that you just can't change about your body, right? Like you were born the way you were, like your hips are going to be your size, certain size, your boobs, your height. Like there's certain things you cannot change no matter what. Like it is is what it is. So funny because today Tori and I held up our hands against each other. (laughs) My hands are massive compared to Tori's. Yeah, but girl, you're, you're pushing weight that I could never push. But it's just so funny because I'm like, we're only a couple inches different in height. Yeah. And structurally, Our skeletons are just different. Which is funny because even like my mom and I are so different. Like it's funny, even genetically in our same family, like I get a lot more my dad's side than my mom's. Like she's definitely has much thicker bones and like she's like, it's a definite, we have such a different kind of like frame, I guess, if you will. But you know, that's just is what it is. Like you got what you got. And And that's why certain things are so absurd, like the thigh gap. Yeah. So there's people that are trying to diet down and be skinny enough to have a thigh gap. That is genetically how your body bone structure is. Yeah. You can be super skinny and not have a thigh gap because the way that your pelvis is and your hips- and everything. I actually do. And I weigh <laughs> Definitely do not. upwards of 189 pounds sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. So I am a lot bigger than Tori, but our body shapes are so different. So it's like people will literally go to these great lengths to achieve these ideal body types and absurd sometimes because totally. like you said, your body shape is like pre-given to you. Yeah. And I, you know, I think a lot of this and Sam, we kind of grew up in the same era, right? Yeah. It was like the 90s, 2000s. And I feel like there was a big fixation on weight, right? It was like everyone was on a diet. Everyone was doing something. Low fat diets was the 90s craze. It was before low carbs. Carbs weren't the demon in the 90s. It was low fat, everything. Being skinny, super thin, low rise jeans. (laughs) Yeah. And there was a huge fixation on that. And not to mention like the value of, of, of appearance really came through. And, you know, I think something that 
you and I have talked about is like our foundation, right? Our foundation of like where we came from. And like, for me personally, I feel like my foundation, it's really interesting is that my mom in our household was very body neutral. Like she never really pushed any diets on me. And I know some or any pressures to look a certain way or to eat a certain thing. Like she was just sort of like the mom that made all of our food and we were relatively healthy and things like that. However, my mom does struggle with food. She has a very big internal struggle, which is ironic because my brother and I, I feel like my struggle has never really been with food, nor my brothers. We eat pretty much the same, but my mom has a very internal core struggle with it. And I see what she goes through. And it's tough for someone who, who sees that and who goes through that and has that relationship with the person. And you know, obviously she didn't intentionally mean to put that relationship with food, but I do feel like because of that, it did trickle down a little bit to see like what my relationship with food was and why was it so different and things like that. A lot of these things are learned behaviors. Right. So even if it wasn't directly things she said to you, it was still observed by you therefore becoming a learned behavior. Yeah. And not to say that like, I don't blame my mom at all. You know, I love my mom and I definitely like You know, it's just, it is something where we are so entrenched in it today. And I feel like body, 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 and visual, 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 everything's so visual that, you know, you can't help but kind of go there, you know, and obviously I see what she goes through. And so that's tough for me, but you know, I do think it's definitely helped to open my eyes to what people can go through. That's for sure. I feel as far as my upbringing is the opposite of yours in that sense and is learned behaviors. So we grew up with three kids all very close in age and we all played sports and we all went to school and then went to three different practices, three different locations, three places. We were on the go. We were fast food family, fast food kids, like Taco Bell, KFC. (laughs) (laughs) You were living it up. We were living it up because we were busy. And sometimes we would have like nice little family dinner nights and all that. And that was great. But the funny thing about it was even though we're eating kind of crap food, my mom was super skinny, even after having three kids, stick skinny, just genetically Gifted. gifted in that yeah. way with yeah. a metabolism that I was never granted. <laughs> like, and she lived off of Doritos taco flavor. They like discontinued them. And that was the sad day the of her life, guide. but she lived off of diet Coke and Doritos. And then comments in my household made by parents and aunts and everyone were thick thighs or no French fries give you thick thighs. Oh yeah. And that's something I like learned growing up. And so all of these things are very problematic. And I can say that my mom and my sisters and obviously myself, and I'll get into my own personal eating disorder history, but we all have disordered eating patterns and problematic relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't blame my mom. I think that came somewhat from my grandma and my grandma's cousin that's like her best friend who used to always tell me like how fat I was. Granted, I was fat, but it was like, thanks, Aunt Joan. Yeah. yeah. Um, You're like, great. Thank you. Okay, great. So it is, again, that's why we're going so much about the fact that it's learned behavior because it's generation after generation after generation. And we pass down these behaviors and it's simple things of just the way that you hear your own mom sometimes talk about her body or criticize herself. So maybe she's not ever criticizing her child. Like no mother wants to criticize their child. Some are very critical and that's not today's episode. I love my mom. My mom never was critical of us. But when you hear 
your parent make comments about themselves or you see them on a certain diet themselves, again, it's observed behavior that then leaves an impression on us. Yeah. And so I think that we were both exposed in different ways, different ways to these learned behaviors that stuck with us. And then we grew up in such a weird time too, where now we're starting to like see the MTV yes. culture growing up. Yeah. And image of like the Christina's and the Britney's. Yeah, the dirty era of Christina the, yes. wearing like assless chaps and being yep. a size zero. Yep. And so, I mean, I guess I can even kind of just get into it and talk about my eating disorder yeah, history because yeah. a lot of that started with growing up. And I remember even getting teased in like sixth grade for having a big butt. And I was skinny. I wasn't an overweight child. Granted, I became an obese adult later in life, which is an eating disorder in itself. And I'll get into that. But growing up, I wasn't always this. I'm not someone who struggled with weight my entire life. Yeah. But then in about junior high, puberty happens, your hormones change. You get a little bit of that like first puberty, like weight gain. And I was like a thicker girl, even in junior high with a big butt. That wasn't cool back then. There was no J-Lo. There was no, yeah. There was no Kardashians. Was People weren't surgically paying for BBLs to enhance their butt. I was the J-Lo of my school when J-Lo wasn't cool. And there was no one there to like even look like me. I grew up in Orange County too in a private school. Everyone yeah, looked like, like Britney Spears. Yeah, like recipe for disaster. Yeah. And even my own sister, we're 21 months apart. Yeah. She had blonde hair and was a size zero all the way up until she hit like 30. I was going to say like sibling wise, how was every body types and things uh, like that? My brother, was he was honestly kind of a chubbier kid. And then he's played football in high school and he's always been very like strong, muscular yeah. football build. My younger sisters have both always been tiny, skinny, size zeros their whole life. And then there was me mm-hmm. who hit puberty had an ass and got made fun of at school for it. That's hard enough in itself. Yeah. Kids can be cruel. And that's definitely was like triggering towards an eating disorder, dealing with parents that were divorced. A lot of eating disorders are triggered from like feelings of loss of control and then finding even comfort in food. So I think I even had my own depression that I didn't realize was depression at mm-hmm. that age because you're so young. Yeah. That coupled with a parent's divorce and just growing up with all this pressure to be a size zero when my body is physically incapable of being a size zero. Right. That led to like disordered eating. But I think another thing is stereotype about eating disorders is you hear eating disorder, you think of anorexia. Oh yeah. So you think if you have an eating disorder, you weigh 90 pounds Yeah. and that you can see every bone in your body. Or you think, oh, you probably look normal, but you're bulimic. So you're secretly purging. And then that's it. That's all people really know about. People don't realize that there's a full spectrum of disordered eating. I mean, diet culture in itself is disordered eating, restricting, and then there's binge eating disorder. There's so many. I could go super into it, and we'll definitely leave in some show notes some resources for eating disorders and more information about Mm -hmm. the different eating disorders. But you also don't necessarily just have one. You can go back and forth between them. So I started off kind of just developing this like binge eating disorder when I was super young, like 14, because that's where I would find like comfort in food. And then eventually the binge eating disorder morphed into this bulimia because you felt so guilty about the binging Mm -hmm. that now you're like starting to purge. And I started doing that. But then the binge eating still causes weight gain. So even if you're bulimic, you can be really overweight and be bulimic because you're still binging, even though you're purging some, you're in the essence of binging can cause you to be overweight. So then as I started to gain weight in high school, then I would go on these crazy restrictive diets to try to lose weight, 
whether it's like one orange a day or one piece of string cheese and a hard boiled egg an entire day. And I would go on these super restrictive um, things and then I would mess up and binge, but then I'd feel guilty about binging and then I would purge. And so I'd be swinging back and forth between this spectrum. And I'm just at the end of the day, ruining my body more, ruining my metabolism more, gaining more weight. Every time I do these crazy restrictive diets, I end up gaining all the weight back plus more, which causes more depression, which causes more extreme behaviors to try to lose the weight, which Mm -hmm. backfire and cause you to gain even more weight. And all of a sudden, like you're obese. And I think also people look at obese people and they're like, well, they're just lazy. Yeah. Or they just like junk food and they have a sweet tooth. And it's like, there's a whole mental health thing. You didn't become obese for funsies. Yeah. That is the mental health disorder. And so even when people come to me about, oh, you lost a lot of weight, because I I did. I've gained and lost the same 100 pounds probably five times in my life, six times. Yeah. And every time I would gain back even more. And then it finally kind of hit a head before my sister's wedding because I had this intense social anxiety about even going places. And you knew me at the time. Yes. I was a nurse and I had like gained weight. In high school, I lost weight when I was 21 because I wanted to be cute and be 21 and hit the bar. So I lost weight when I was 21 and was feeling all good about myself. And then I started nursing school. So of course, yes, what happens when you're in nursing school? You're stressed and you eat. So I gained all this weight in nursing school. I'm about to graduate nursing school. And I realized I don't want to be this unhealthy, overweight, obese nurse. So I lost all this weight. Again, I wasn't doing losing it in healthy ways. I was working out like a maniac in not a healthy way. I am an advocate for healthy working out and having a healthy relationship with it, but it was not in a healthy sense at all. And these crazy restrictive diets. So then I started working as a nurse and then I started night shift. So what happens? I gain it all back. And then I start grad school and I gain even more. And you knew me at this time. And then I reached like my heaviest ever. And then my sister was getting married and I was her maid of honor. And I had such social anxiety. I, you know, I'm a fun person, right? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like life of the party. You're the life of the party. Yeah. But I still, I didn't want to go out and do things. Yeah. It's crazy. Like even for me to look back on those times and you know, you and I, there's like Snapchats I have saved from us and like pictures from back in those days. And very limitedly you were in pictures period. And I know that Hated it now, but it's interesting because I was like, I didn't realize that that like you were going through that. And you and I have talked about this because something that I feel very strongly about is weight is the least interesting thing about you. And as a friend, it's funny because like, I don't think of you that way. I don't recognize you in those pictures. I don't recognize myself. And I still have all the same friends because I had friends back then because mm-hmm. my personality has stayed the same. Yeah. So we became friends when I weighed double my body weight right now. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you were going through that, which is- No one did. No one did. And it's t- it's hard for me, even as a friend to really like- because I love you so much. And, you know, it's hard because watching you or knowing that you were going through that, it's just, you know, I wish there were so many times that I could have like helped you through that, you know, and to kind of be someone to lean on, but it's, it's tough, you know? And I, I look back at that and I'm like, I didn't even reckon. I, I had no idea. I didn't see the signs. I didn't know. I think people in my position though, go to great lengths to keep it a secret. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. You feel ashamed. So you go to great lengths to hide those behaviors, eating in private. Like I didn't even like eating in front of other people because when you're overweight or like obese, you feel like people are watching you eat. Right. And then even on the flip side, when you're losing weight, and once I did start losing weight, I was, I felt like everyone was always now watching me to see like, well, what does she eat now that she's not overweight? Yeah. And now totally. that she's like, like losing a diet. Eat? And yeah. then 
when I do want to kind of, and we'll get into like, I hate the word good and bad foods and we'll talk about that. But I, now I'm eating something bad. I felt like people are watching me like, oh, is she like off her diet? Is she going to gain all the weight back? I always felt this extreme social anxiety too about now I hate eating in front of people. I hate people watching me eat. I hate people making comments about like, oh, not very hungry or you didn't finish that. I'm like, mind your fucking business. <laughs> You're like, get off my back. Okay? Like, what I eat or don't Dear eat Lord. is none of your business. And I hated, but there was always so much social anxiety, even at work or parties or anything, just eating in front of people took a lot um, of mental health to actually lose weight and keep it off. And I want to say I didn't lose weight in the sense of, oh, I just want to look this certain way. Because if that's your motivation for losing weight, it's never going to be sustainable. You're not going to go about it the right way. You're not going to be happy at the end of the day. You're still going to have all the same underlying problems that made you overweight, and it's not going to be sustainable. And that is why I'm so big on mental health and getting treatment for eating disorders and disordered eating because it starts from within. And any diet that you choose to do works. If you want to do Weight Watchers, if you want to do low carb, if you want to do keto, any of them, name them, um, if it fits your macros. Limiting your your calories. Intermittent fasting, guess what? They all work in different ways, but you're going to gain it back every single time. Yeah. It's like, because when uh, you stop it, then what? Yeah. Well, and that's the kind of the aspect of you have to really clear up your dark cloud. Thank you. You know, and that's something that I feel it's hard because, you know, I look at, for example, my mom who struggles through that and she has a very strong dark cloud and it's hard because, you know, that is something that I think it, that's what really takes the work, to be honest. I think that's really you know, and that's hard for us to really admit to ourselves, like when that's really what it is. And, you know, so Sam obviously knows this and this is something I've never, obviously I've never talked about this. And this is something that I do think it's important for people to know. It's on a much smaller scale, obviously than Sam's, but during high school, I would say, uh, I think it was like 15, 16. I also struggled through a very closeted bulimia as well. I, I wasn't necessarily, I didn't need necessarily treatment for it. I did go to therapy and I went through the whole gamut there, but my, I think mine really rooted through, um, the need for like control. And I was dealing with a lot of like anxiety with, um, at the time I was riding horses, I was skating competitively. And so for me, it's interesting because I, my stress eating or I would stress and I would go to like fast food, for example, or I would like binge on something like a big Subway sandwich or something. And I would feel so guilty about that. And then it was the purge. Right. So I, I went through that and I still, to this day, I do have tendencies of resorting to things that release stress in not the best ways. And purging is definitely one of them. Jacob's obviously aware. Um, and I do keep it in check. Like I know, I know myself now to know when like my stress is getting up. And, you know, for me, a big part of that obviously is like making sure I'm taking care of myself and working out and doing all the things, but it's definitely a piece of, of me. And it's not something that's ever going to just go away. Like it's, no, I think someone who's really struggled through those things and so many women, I know women and even men can relate to this where you are struggling through something that it might, it's not necessarily the disordered eating. It's not the, it's the release. It's the need to do It's the why behind it. It's the why behind it. And 
you know, it's really interesting because, you know, both Sam and I, uh, it was behind closed doors. Like, I never wanted people to know. It's so, it's shameful. It's really shameful. It's really embarrassing. I mean, I had days and I did struggle through it in college too. And my best friends knew, but I still even kind of kept them in the dark about how bad it was. I did go through a stint in college as well, where I, I, I would say my sophomore year is when I was really struggling with it. And, um, you know, it is, it's embarrassing and it's kind of like you feel out of control, but then you feel in control and it's this whole like kind of mental twist. I don't know. It's something that you just, I don't know. So I do struggle with it. And that's something that I feel like it's interesting because I feel like we do really fixate on eating disorders in a certain way. And I just feel like there's the scope of it is so large, so large. And and you don't always fall into one little neat category. No, you don't. And you can't look at someone and tell that they have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. No. And that's another thing. And some people feel like eating disorders, like, yeah, are only for skinny people. Really comes down to fixing the foundation. I think that's why we're both so passionate about mental health care and therapy. Because I started the first time I went to, in 2007, I did inpatient 30-day rehab. And that was the first time I had to sit down and admit to my family, hey, you guys know that I'm 21. I've been binging and purging since I was 14. And everyone was shocked because I hit it that well. But yeah, that is crazy. It is. It was, everyone was shocked. And I went to this inpatient treatment. I didn't even tell everyone in my family. I just told my parents and my sister and my one best friend. And then I went away. And then my brother found out. And he was even like, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, this is none of your business, bitch. <laughs> like, Get out of my, Get um, out of here. And then now it's still something like no one even really talks about anymore. And then you could even see people like worry about me as my weight progressively got higher and higher. I never had any significant health problems when I was super obese, but I had youth on my side. So it was a matter of time. So when I lost weight, it was more about one, me fixing my mental health and fixing my relationship with food, which needed to be done because it was so damaged. And then two, as a nurse, I knew if I want to have kids one day, I need my body to be the healthiest version. So it's not about what I look like. I want my body to be its best self so that I can have a healthy pregnancy, have a healthy child, start a family and know that my health is a priority. So again, it kind of boils back down to the what can your body do for you, Mm -hmm. not so much what it looks like. And I think a side effect of focusing on that is that aesthetically, you're probably going to feel more comfortable in your skin when your focus is, again, about what your body can do for you. Yeah. And so once I really have done some intensive therapy and it's taken me, I'm 35. (laughs) And one, I'm not fixed. Um, I'm always going to struggle with certain aspects of disordered eating. And now, though, Mm -hmm. I have the ability to recognize it and catch it and kind of, like you said, keep yourself in check. And you have a partner that kind of helps keep you in check. Yeah. I... I'm now able to like recognize when I start to go down a path and be like, Sam, stop. That is not how you talk to yourself. That's not how you treat yourself. You need to stop. And I've been able to do a really good job of managing it. But I will catch myself getting into these negative mindsets where I'm like, oh, my God, I need to lose 10 pounds. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, you really don't. Um, and I have to kind of talk myself through some of these things. So, yeah. And I mean, it's tough because you don't want to fixate on a scale, right? You yeah. want, you, it's like, and oftentimes I feel like people don't know where to start. Like, how do you even start when you feel so overwhelmed by, you know, 
I mean, once when you get past a certain point, I'm sure, like, it's like, how do you even start? Well, and how do you do it again and again and again? When I've lost the same 100 pounds multiple times and you gain it all back and you're like, where do I, how do I, I'm, how am I back in this miserable prison I've created for myself? And how do I escape it again? And then I realized I keep ending up back in this mental prison and prison of my own body. So when I was like well over like what, like hitting 300 pounds and stuff, I couldn't be an emergency flight nurse like I am now. So can I ask you? Yeah. So ask anything. I knew you through your weight loss journey. Yeah. What was the point to when you were like, okay, I need to make a change, like permanent change? Like how So there was two of them. And the tipping point, unfortunately... I don't like that the tipping point was something so superficial as my sister's wedding, but being her maid of honor, I knew I was going to have to give a speech at her wedding and wear a dress and walk down an aisle and have all these people stare at me and be in pictures that are going to last forever. And I had the most crippling anxiety of being looked at. There was no way. Which is crazy because I'll tell you guys this too, on the flip side, watching Sam go through it, you put on an exterior bubble of this is what I'm doing and it's so fun and I'm losing this weight. You had a really persona of, I think at that time you were keto, right? Kind of like made light of it. On the exterior, I think what we saw as friends was like, oh, like Sam's like doing this and like, it's like a new thing, like you're into it. But internally, I'm sure you were going through a much deeper Absolutely. Battle. And then the other thing on the flip side too was I had been in a long-term relationship. My weight was obviously a problem in our relationship. That's really hard on a partner to support someone through mm-hmm. such an untreated um, eating disorder, basically, because it was not under control in any way, shape, or form. And I, again, I knew I wanted a family. So my sister's wedding and the fact that I wanted a family one day is what really was my tipping point only good thing about it was I don't feel like the reason for my sister's wedding was necessarily the most healthy reason for why my why, but I finally sought out and like did it the right way because I went to a therapist and I like, again, I'd been getting treatment for my eating disorder, but I really came to terms with the fact that I can't do this crash diet. I can't do all these things. I have to fix the foundation and the inside first. And that is what has been like so life-changing and freeing is really realizing like, no, I'm fixing my mental health disorder. And then the weight will change as a result of me fixing my mental health disorder. With all this mental health talk, therapy. Yes. Therapy. So we are actually partnered with BetterHelp and you use it. I use it because I am a big advocate for if you don't have a therapist, get one. Yeah. So what is BetterHelp, you guys? It is the largest online counseling platform worldwide. Uh, Anytime, anywhere, through a computer, a tablet, a smartphone, doesn't matter. It's super easy to do. You hop on there, you take a quick little quiz and it tailors to what type of services you need. They have clinical social workers, psychologists, LMFTs, and they are all there to help you. So yeah. Yeah. You guys, you can exchange messages. You can chat live with them. Video conference. Phone, video conference. And if you don't jive well with your therapist, you can change your therapist at any time. So again, you guys head over to betterhelp.com forward slash selfie for 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com forward slash selfie, betterhelp.com forward slash selfie. All right, you guys, let's get back into the show. And I like how you even said like fixate on the scale because so many people 
get so hyper-focused on, well, I get all the question all the time about like, how do I lose weight? And I think a lot of people even started following me as like a weight loss thing. And I get approached all the time by Mm -hmm. different people, like tell your weight loss story because they see my before and after pictures. And now I, so I haven't posted a before and after picture in over a year. And it's not because I'm like, oh, ashamed of my before. Like you can scroll through and find them. They're there. Scroll down a year's worth. My before pictures are there. I was hefty. But it's more the fact that I feel like I realize how triggering that can be for people or send the wrong message that I don't want to send anymore because I'm not saying that my before is bad and I'm better now. And some people, it's triggering or they're taking the wrong message away. And I used to think that it was good and it was inspiring to people and inspiring them to lose weight in a healthy way. But I didn't realize that I'm, that's actually me still fighting my eating disorder. And it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Because I feel like if the compliments are so visually based, mm-hmm. then it starts becoming, well, then they like me like this more. Absolutely. So, so I could, yeah. The body dysmorphia of losing weight is such a mind fuck. And I've lost weight, oh my God, almost four years ago now that I've kept it off. And I have to tell you, that has been the hardest part. And even while I was losing weight, honestly, so like my biggest fear when I was overweight was that I'm not worthy of love. And that was actually confirmed when I lost weight because then I started receiving all this positive attention and reactions and compliments that I had always actually wanted and craved. And then that actually confirmed my biggest fear that really, okay, you actually are only worthy now that you're skinnier and that you've lost weight. And that was hard in itself to process. As a friend, was there something that we could have said or done in No, I loved it too, though. That's the thing is like I ate it up. You almost get addicted to this newfound like attention. Yeah, like, oh, you look, yeah, you're good. And then it makes you want to look better and better and you get caught up in it, but it's, it feeds it. And so I, I built this account by kind of starting to share my weight loss journey and posting all these before and after pictures. And then I think the more and more that I've grown in the last couple of years and learned more about my eating disorder, I realized that's not the message that I personally want to send to people. The obese girl is just as worthy of love as the skinnier version of Sam. And I feel like I've even kind of gone through this metamorphosis where in 2018, I hit like my lowest weight. I was wearing like a size four. I was like way skinnier. Then I got into powerlifting and I've kind of bulked up from there. And I feel like powerlifting has been a very freeing experience for me because there's no, the focus is really just how How strong are you? What can your body do? It doesn't matter what my body looks like doing it. The focus is solely on what it can do. And I love the feeling of just being strong. It's like a good release for me. So I think that's been a positive workout since that it's- A good community too. Yeah. The community of people is great. And so that's been something I've been able to really fall in love with and stick to. To me, which is, I don't know, the biggest thought process or the the main thing that I really try and hone in on is like understanding a healthy relationship with food, right? And yeah. like you've mentioned this a couple of times where it's not trying not to attach the emotion to food. And we had this conversation a little bit off off the clock, yeah, off the we mic, did. like truly, because off, off of I mentioned that and she's like, well, what do you mean? Yeah, I was like, go that? into this because I'm like, I, there's an even deeper level of that. Yeah. So I say don't attach emotion to food by calling foods good and bad. Food. Good and bad. That's what it was. Yeah. I was like, what do you, because the, the, what you said was there's no such thing as good or bad food. And I kind of was like, well, kind of there yeah. is, but then the way you explained it was so And because great. that's so, that's such a 
ingrained part in us and learned that good foods are fruit, vegetables, like proteins. Those are good, healthy foods, right? Right. And that bad foods are cupcakes, cookies, um, chips. So at the end of the day, why, why are they bad? A cookie is flour, sugar, eggs, milk, butter. All those ingredients by themselves are not considered bad, right? You, you cook eggs for breakfast. Sometimes you have a little sugar or sweetener in your coffee or things like that. And then we get so big in our diet culture about having the knockoff of everything. Yeah. The, so the, the keto cookies, the, the protein ice yes. cream, mm-hmm. the whatever muffin. Yeah. If you want low carb, low carb mm-hmm. this. If you want the fucking cookie, just eat the cookie. If you want ice cream, just eat the ice cream. Having all these like diet, like healthier versions doesn't one fix your mental relationship with food and attaching good and bad emotions to food. Food is food. If you look at the actual just macronutrients, you have protein, you have carbs, you have fat. Some foods have sugar. Like yeah. when we get into these rigid mindsets, and I, I still will even sometimes fall into this now, especially in, in this phase of my life where I'm trying to maintain my current like body, is that we will, and a lot of people will say like, oh, I eat good all week and then I have a cheat meal. It's not a cheat meal. You're just eating. <laughs> if, it's, if it's your birthday and you go out and you eat whatever you wanted off the menu, you just had dinner. Well, and so here's the thing too. I do think that there are certain people out there who do really well on a strict regimen. Like there are people- I do, personally. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I see you. I thrive off of structure. Right. And having a regimen. I follow, to me personally, I do follow a meal plan because it's the convenience of just- making the same thing and being on a routine because yeah. I'm so busy. It's just easier to not have to think about what should I eat today and to just follow a routine. But your healthy relationship is with food. So for example, like I know there are a lot of people out there who have that. It's either this extreme, you need to have that control and the re- mm-hmm. regimen and that, or it's binging, right? Yeah. And so that's a hard part is really understanding, like getting to the root and understanding, be able to clear up that cloud and like get to a healthy relationship. I love when you food. say that. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's something I'm really passionate about just because I know it is something that so many people struggle with, right? It's like food to me is just as, as addictive as any other substance. Oh, I mean, more. It's... I've never, I've never even smoked weed, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, I swear. No one believes me, but why would I lie? I'm I know, like an old lady. True. What's the point of lying? You're, you're, you're fun without substance. I know. That's what I tell anything. people. I'm like, trust me, me sober is already a lot yeah, you're lying. to you handle. Like I'm stone cold sober right now. <laughs> people find their things, whether it's like gambling addictions or yeah, there's t- every kind of, addiction. there's so many, but Food truly is that for some people. Yeah. yeah. And I learned that actually it's interesting through my brother, through Vincent. A lot of you guys had heard back on his episode when we talked about bipolar, but one of his big things going to AA was um, learning that how many different addictions there are. And I food 100% is one. 100%, especially with the way our food is made in the country. You know? And a lot of people trade like one addiction for others. So some people and studies have shown that people that have gone extreme weight loss then they turn to a new addiction, whether it's a shopping addiction or a sex addiction or a gambling addiction Nicotine, because they, caffeine. again, they haven't healed themselves. They haven't fixed the foundation or the inside. So they're swapping one addiction for another addiction. And you got to kind of choose your battles at the end of the day. If food was your addiction and you were overweight, but now you have this crippling 
gambling addiction or sex addiction that's ruining your life as well. Yeah. It's all like, that's why mental health matters. Yeah. Sam and I have talked a lot about that. I think the mental health aspect is huge. And, you know, I know Sam's, you've gone through it with your therapy and things like that, but I think it's tough because, you know, especially nowadays we're in such a like visual world, right? We're yes. in this like crazy. And you and I put ourselves out there. Yeah, we're yeah. on social media, totally. Instagram curator. <laughs> But yeah, as I've dubbed you. Yeah, no, it's a very visual world. And here's the thing. Like, I love the visual world. I love all the things I do. Well, Instagram. some people are visual learners. So in school, are you a visual learner? 100%. There you go. 100%. Like, I'm way more visual. I And, you know, Instagram, you know, TikTok, all of these YouTube, you name it. We're, we love it. And, you know, but the thing is, is. It, I can see where it does curate or it starts, you know, you're looking at like the Kendall Jenner in a bikini moment and you're like, oh my God. Like, and then how these do celebrities Photoshop yeah, that on top of already having insane bodies that are hard to achieve. Yeah. Then they have like all the editing and Photoshop skills in the world. I can't knock it. Cause here's no. the thing. Like we all love the travel. I love a travel picture. I love seeing what people are wearing. Like I love it for what it is. And mm -hmm. like, but I think that's the thing is like, it's self-awareness. Right? You're able to recognize. Yes. And decipher. And some people aren't. And we, I think we, it's like, you have to kind of respect both spaces, but I think that's why it's good to normalize. And I love some of the accounts that will post side by sides of them in a bikini and one, they're like perfectly back arched, shoulders out, yeah, chin up. Yeah. They're hitting the right angle. The lighting's just right. And their body looks amazing. And then they're showing, okay, and then this is like me letting my breath out and yeah. at this angle. And now my cellulite's showing in this. And it's like literally same person, same body. And just showing that you can look completely different in one picture to the next. Yeah. And that's normal. But I love that we're like starting to see that because it's letting people know that like, I love posting some fire-ass selfies. <laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> like, I will throw up my bikini picture with my underboob and be like, yes, I feel <laughs> snatched here. I look great. But then I will also show, like, sometimes other pictures where I'm like, yeah, look at this cellulite busting yeah, out. And that's well, okay. That's the thing is, like, I don't know, getting real with it. And here's the thing. I feel like a lot of it, and we do have this strong focus on visual, right? And mm -hmm. then we're complimenting people on how they look, right? So it's yeah. always, like, how you look, 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 look. And, you know, it's a different thing when, as a friend, I'm coming to you and I'm like, girl, you look good, you know? And I know you've been working out and things like that. Versus you're not going to come on to someone's social media. You know, they just posted a fire picture and you'd be like, I see your personality yeah, shining exactly. through. So what is it? You know, it's a double-edged sword. You know, we got to be real with it, but it's just, it is a thing to where you kind of, I don't know, being self-aware. I, I try to be conscious of like how I'm coming about it now. Like, mm -hmm. you know, as far as like my engagement with people and, you know, just knowing what it is for what it is and appreciating social media in that way, because I don't know. I love a fire selfie, but then, you know, I, and to me, I appreciate that. Right. But you know, there are people that hate on it no matter what. Oh, I get so much like, yeah. Hate, and especially like, for people that are just like, well, how can you even talk about like mental health and eating disorders and stuff? But then you have all these like bikini selfies and I'm like, cause I like them. Well, you know what? And <laughs> here's the thing. It's like, it's real life. I want to enjoy what I'm doing. And I think we should just be appreciating women for what they want to do. Yes. And men, by the way, and you know, just 
I don't know. Appreciate it for what it is, and yeah, let and them support each other. You're like support one another. I think that's a huge thing, and I think I don't know. Social media, it's a it's a love hate thing, and I do think you just take it for what it is. And well, like prime example, look at my girl Adele, which is so funny because when I lost weight, people used to tell me you look like a skinny Adele, and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I think because what does chin, that even mean? Well, I'm just like. Again, one, they're putting weight into it. Like you're the skinny version of Adele. Now Adele's skinnier than I am. But poor girl, that girl cannot, cannot catch it. a break. I know. She can't. So when she was overweight, she when she was overweight, it was, you're setting such a bad example because you're overweight. And even if she was trying to be positive about her body, it's like, okay, well, you can be positive, but still like, it's not healthy. Why are we celebrating unhealthy people? And you're setting a bad example for kids and you have a kid and like, you need to be healthy. Now she lost weight and it's like, yeah, and I was well, like, oh, how did why, she lose yeah, weight? Oh my gosh. It? Yeah. Yeah. You're too skinny. Yeah. You're too skinny is like, can we just one stop ever telling anyone they're too skinny? There are some women that are born naturally very skinny and they have trouble gaining weight. Men too, that it doesn't matter. They'll be trying to gain weight. And I see this in the gym a lot. Um, a lot of people in my gym are trying to gain weight and put on mass and get stronger and they eat, 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 and they can't. And then how rude is it to be like, you're too skinny, eat a cheeseburger. Yeah. That's so rude. That's just as rude as telling an overweight person, you're lazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> go lazy. to the gym, you're lazy. It's yeah, like, you're you like don't that. know anyone and their story and their background. So I feel like on the flip side of the whole body positivity movement, it doesn't mean like put down skinny girls either. That's not cool. Yeah, 100%. Do you feel like back when you were going through all of this, is there anything that your partner could have done to- Oh, that's a big one. You know? Um, Honestly, I'll never say a bad thing about that man in my life because he was there through like good times and bad. But communication, I think he was afraid to hurt my feelings sometimes. So instead he bottled up things and didn't communicate them talking about my weight was a very like touchy subject. I think for just anyone in my life, like people didn't want to bring it up. It's touchy, but then it doesn't get talked about. And you're just adding to these problems that are never getting addressed. They're always getting swept under the rug. So I think at the end of the day, to be a good partner, you have to communicate and you have to sometimes have difficult conversations. And I think if you're having those conversations, that person knows you're having it because you love and care about them. So instead of being so worried so much about offending them, I think you need to just be able to have honest and real conversations. On the flip side though, there's a lot of toxic relationships that are built around your yeah. partner wants you to look a certain way yep. and they can become very controlling about or, or picking apart your body. Yeah. 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 That drives me nuts because I know that there are a lot of people out there, men and women, but condescending comments on how you look and mm -hmm. that, that will wear you down. Yeah. That is a hundred percent. I mean, I see that as a form of abuse for sure, but it, it absolutely is. If you're kind of picking at someone like, oh, should you be eating that? Yeah. Rude. No. Yeah. So if that is the dynamic you have in your relationship, you really need to analyze that because that is not I know. a healthy relationship to be in. But if you have a partner that truly cares about you and wants to know how to support you, because I did get this question when we said we were doing this topic is how do I support my significant other through this? I think one, honest communication, and then two, being a team with them and saying like, hey, one, make sure they're getting mental health treatment. 
So there was a lot of time in my relationship where I wasn't in therapy and I should have been. And so I think if I had the encouragement of like, hey, you should see a therapist, I'll even go with you. But do you think you would have? Maybe. It's hard to say. I think if I had the encouragement, because I'd seen a therapist before. I wasn't like averse to going to them. Mm -hmm. But I think if we had honest communication where it was like, hey, I see you're really struggling right now with this. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to help you. But I think that we need to find someone that can help you. And I would have been like, you are right. (laughs) Like, I almost just feel a weight off my chest, like thinking about it. Like, man, I wish I would have gone to therapy during some of those times. So I think just kind of saying it as a team, like, this isn't your issue. This is I think it's our issue thing. of how and how can I and I think a therapist would also help you as a partner tell you how you can support your person because a lot of times people make comments and they think they're being complimentary and like I already said sometimes they're mistaken the wrong way so you think you're complimenting someone and it's fueling an eating disorder more you don't know you don't know how to navigate it and you, yeah, you shouldn't have to you're not built with those tools um this poor man was not ready or prepared to get into a relationship with someone who had such deep psychological issues with their body and food. Right. It's a lot to, it's a lot. And you know, and on the flip side too, I mean, as someone who, you know, we all have our, our issues. I know it's really hard to turn the mirror on yourself. Right. And to be like, I'm dealing with this and to have your partner want to help you, but then you don't even want to admit it to yourself. Like it's a whole complex thing. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's enough self-awareness to know when you need help and to accept that, you know, it's a balance. And so many women we know go through this. This is like body image. Like we're entrenched in it. We're women. That's a part of who we are. But I do think being able to allow the people in that we need to let in when you do. Yeah. Um, And I think that's the part about being a partner and saying, encouraging mental health help together. And saying, maybe you can learn tools to work through this and I can learn tools on how to best support you because we're not meant to just go through life alone. And then we, but we don't always necessarily have the tools. So that can help both, like even just with the partner. So you went through the whole process and then you went through a huge revamp. Stop, let's talk girl. about that, girl. Let's let's talk about it. One of my favorite topics. We talk about this all the time. Botox, boob jobs, baby, like plastic surgery. I love plastic surgery. Okay, let's go there. Okay, so what was it. your process like with this? Okay, well, so I lost a massive amount of weight, like double my body weight now, basically. I pretty much almost lost. I had severely saggy skin. And plus, I'd ruined my skin through losing it gaining it, losing it, gaining it, losing it. It wasn't going to bounce back anymore. So I had like saggy stomach. I had saggy arms. I had saggy boobs. I just went balls deep, 25 grand in (sighs) and fixed it all. I got a breast lift with implants. Yeah, I got um, the loose skin off my arms taken off. So if you ever like See, I do have like giant incisions from my elbow all the way up to my armpit. On you look like arms. you got Tommy John surgery, you know? Yeah. And then I got a tummy tuck. So I did it all. I don't regret it for a single second. It doesn't mean that you have to be get plastic surgery to feel beautiful. No. I'm a big advocate for doing whatever makes you happy. Yes. Yeah. Small boobs L- are great. Yep. Big boobs are actually kind of a pain in the ass, but I just wanted to fill them back up. 
So I love my fake titties. I don't know. I've talked about this before where I feel like the most feminist moment you can have is supporting a woman and what she wants to do with her body. Yes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter matter what what it is. is. If that's what you want to do, you do you boo. And I'm here for that moment. Yeah. I love Botox. I'm getting filler done again this week. Yeah. Under my eyes. And here's the thing. Like if you want to age without that, age the way you want to age. Yeah. Rock your gray hair. Be proud of your wrinkles or don't. Yeah, or don't. And it doesn't know, matter what anyone totally. else likes, though. Do whatever the fuck makes you happy. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a big fan of that. Let's be honest. Like, if if I wasn't honest with you guys about Botox, filler, like if I wasn't saying that and being honest, I think it's it's worse when people are not saying that they are consumers of these products. Cause let's be honest, so many people are using them and they don't talk about it. And I yeah, think that's, I think that's the like weird kind of it's annoying. sketchy thing where social media and we've talked about like you've always been honest about social yes. media you'll post when you're getting botox and I'm like, stuff look, done like i do it all the- yes i posted pictures from my plastic surgery so when i actually went in the r this was before i had my instagram account if i did i honestly probably would have been like hey can tori go in there and live stream the whole thing because <laughs> yeah. i think surgery is cool i'm a nurse i love gross i'll get things. sterile and get in there for yeah, you, girl. for sure yeah. she knows how to not break sterility but yeah. i gave the or nurse my phone and said hey, when I'm spliced open, take pictures. And she's like, seriously? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, that's true. You're a nurse. You're yeah. not normal like <laughs> us. I love that. She took, so you can scroll back to like February, 2019. You, yeah, you posted a lot. I posted the pictures. You can see literally my, I'm like gutted like a fish. And it, they're cool pictures. Yeah, it's really I thought they were really informative, but I've always been open. So I've never hid the fact that, these boobs are fake that I've had. And you can see the surgical scars. I've got nothing to hide. I was super embarrassed of them at first and ashamed. And then now I'm just like, I don't give a fuck if you don't like my scars. That sounds like a personal problem for you. Yeah, totally. Because I'm super happy with myself and my body and comfortable with how I look. It's weird though, because I'm the most insecure, secure person. I'm the most confident, insecure person ever. I will post my fire ass selfie and I will have titties out, but you can see my scars on my arm. You can see scars on my stomach. You can see stretch marks everywhere. And I'm like, damn, I still look good. <laughs> yes, but then please. in my head, like sometimes I'll look in the mirror and I'll start to pick myself apart. And that's that's the bad eating disorder version of Sam coming out where I have to slap her back into shape and be like, chill. Yeah. Like you're the only one seeing these flaws in yourself. You need to check yourself. So it is. It is weird. And I think that's where I'm always going to struggle with body dysmorphia, where I look at myself and I'm like, I'm fat. And if anyone heard me call myself fat, they'd be like, I know, shut like, up. Yeah, You're exactly. so stupid. Yeah. I'm slap you. You did that on our last photo shoot and I wanted to kill you. Yeah. You did it a couple of times. And I was like, stop it. I know. Cause it was a little quarantine chunk right now, but no. I'm like, you know what? No, that's okay. That's my body dysmorphia coming out strong. And it's funny because then I but have then all these you pictures do this the photo thing shoot. where you'll laugh it off and yeah. I know you. And I'm like, no, yeah. I know you. Stop doing that. Uh-huh. No, no, no. And I need to be checked though. And that's why yeah. it's like good to have good people surround me. And that's why I try to even be open about it because it's so easy to think that I've, like I used to be like, oh, I recovered from an eating disorder. I have never recovered and I never will. It's This thing is never going away. It's always going to be a mental battle. But at least now, I have such a better grasp on it than I can recognize it, catch it and slap myself out of it. I think it's interesting. So um, Sam and I have talked about this as well. I've also been under the knife. I've done a little thing. 
I thought we had the same size implants. We did. Okay. So I'm three. Am I three, three fifty? I thought you were three seventy like me. No, I think I'm three fifty. I'm three seventy. I love that. Okay. So my whole thing was I went under the knife. I think I was 21 years old and I was working two jobs. You guys, I was in nursing school, but I was like, I really want to do this for myself. And it was for me. And I feel like I, to this day, I don't regret it. It's this balance with body image. And for me at that point, and to this day, I don't regret it because I feel more sexy. I feel like more myself with having that enhancement. And I love that. And I don't regret it to this day. I absolutely love it. But I do think it's that balance, right? Of like, self-awareness, right? I'm not, I'm not doing it for anyone else. I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it because I know this is just something that I want to do for me that's long-term. And to this day, I don't regret it. And I think it's that, that balance of knowing who you are, standing fierce in your convictions, you know, being able to admit to yourself when something is for the right or wrong reason in your life. So have you ever been called fake for getting plastic surgery or Botox? Actually, I don't think so. Most people don't know that I had an enhancement or a boob job until I say it. Like most people don't know. I didn't know when I first met you. Yeah. So most people don't know right now that I have because they're very proportional. But to the girls who have that said, it's annoying to me. If that's what they want to do, then let them do it. Like if you want to have an overly huge boob job, go for it. It's your, it's your life. It's it's your your body. body. You want that. And, you know, it's the same thing with Botox and filler. I'm like, if that person wants to have that, then. I think my only thing is that I just encourage women to like be honest about it. Yeah. Because that's where the real comes in. When you try to say that you've never had work done on your face. Yeah. When you have lip filler and you have other filler in places and you have Botox and you're like, no. And you're like, yes. (laughs) But that's wrong. And I feel like that's normalizing it is letting people know that like, yeah, hey. I like to look a certain way. It's not going to be natural to achieve that look, but this is what I do to get it. And I respect that greatly. Yeah. I'm also a look good, feel good person. So there's, there's that. I think if in your own person, whatever it takes for you to feel good, look good, to be present, because ultimately if you're feeling confident, it's really going to help you to be present. So when you're feeling your best self and you're feeling like I am on my A game, this is who I am. It really does help you be present. It doesn't take away from your daily life. It doesn't take away from you feeling insecure that people are looking at you and, you know, judging you. If you can just push all those thoughts out of your brain and try and find your truest self in who you are and finding the core of what makes you a confident person, that's ultimately the goal away from weight, away from, you know, all of the image things and just really getting to the core of like, what makes you happy? Who do you want to be? Who are you presenting to the world? Same. Like you said, look good, feel good. Why was I late to your house today? Oh yeah. You want, well, okay. That was valid. If yeah. you want to look good, feel good. She want to put on some makeup. She wanted to do her hair. Yeah. You so I was late to get here today to record because I showered and then I was like, I'm going to blow dry my hair and I'm going to put on makeup and I'm going to wear real clothes. See, but I'm, I know that about you and I'm like, yes, please do it. Cause it's more, that is important to you. And it's important to me too. I, I just felt like I'm going through a very difficult time right now. And I feel like one of the ways of just feeling more positive energy around yourself, me is yeah. by just getting dressed, doing my hair and just feeling like the best version of myself. And I think it's hard because I feel like sometimes some of the things I say sound almost contradictory where I'm like, be real. It's okay. You don't have to like look a certain way. You don't have to impress anyone. 
be yourself. You're just as worthy being loved. But then I'm like, boom, here's a bikini selfie and look good, feel good, do your hair, makeup, get Botox and boob job. And I'm, I get where sometimes people get confused because it sounds contradictory. But at the end of the day, my whole overarching theme is just do what makes you happy and find what makes you happy and get that mental health treatment. What did you say? Clear your cloud? Yeah, clear your cloud. Yeah, so at the end of the day, fix your foundation, be happy, and then you can live your best life. Yeah. So I'm and not I get like not every people. day you can be a happy, happy, happy person. That's not something I also do think. No, we'll talk about my depression on a whole other episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like we do, we are in this crazy place of everyone has, you know, we can't talk about anything unless it's not happy. And the reality is not every day is a happy day and that's okay 2020 too. sucked. Ultimately, I feel like fostering a, a new system, hopefully, where we can start building people up more and understanding from, you know, being able to hear people out and understand them. And first of all, this is a non one size fits all topic. Mm -hmm. So even today, I'm sure there's so many other aspects we didn't even cover. Oh, we, and we didn't. And it would be, I mean, gosh, this could be, you could have a whole separate podcast that's only about body image issues each week and eating disorder issues and food and relationship because it's so vast and we barely scraped the surface of it. We were just kind of bringing you our truths. Yeah. Yeah. And today, and this is this, I mean, I don't know. I, I am very, I welcome um, the feedback invested in it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we can always do follow-up episodes part two, and we're always open to bringing on other guests that might be able to shed more light on certain things we talked about today. So we would love to hear the feedback. I also think having, I don't know, I thought it was important today, at least to set the the foundation of where Sam, where you come from and, and sharing your story has been, I think it's invaluable for people. Yeah. You know, I think we want you guys to know us on a deeper level because again, we love this podcast. It's our baby. We plan to try to go as far with this and bring as much resources to you. But I think when you know, we're passionate about a topic and our why and where we come from on it, you can see why we're wanting to bring this episode to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. This one, this one was an important one. And I think one that so many can relate to on so many different levels. I, I don't know. I feel like my just only takeaway to kind of wrap up everything we've talked about is that mental health matters. Yeah. Get in the touch with the inside. It. You have to fix the inside before you can even begin to worry about your outside and your outside doesn't matter. That's just the your body is what allow that carries your inside. It's the vessel for your inside. So really take the time to do that deep work on the inside and you will thank yourself. And if you have a friend who's going through something, you know, be there for them if they're going through something or a partner. Sometimes ask, check on your friends that look okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Check on your friends that look okay. Yeah. Yeah, Sam is one that I wish... You know, hindsight 2020, it is, I wish that I had been a little bit more like that, you know, but honestly, going and, through it. you know, I can't fault anyone for that because even if you did, I probably would have lied. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. It is good to, it's but it's good, good to know suggestion. that people care about you. Yeah. A hundred percent. And we're going to leave a bunch of stuff in our show notes for you guys, as far as some um, eating disorder resources yeah. and some other mental health tidbits, because if you're struggling, you know, someone's struggling, we want to try to help provide some of these resources yeah. for you. Yeah. I mean, cause the reality is, is even healthcare providers go through these things and that's just the realness we want to bring to you guys is, you know, as 
nurses, we nurses, doctors, RTs, PTs, all everyone goes through these things as well. So, and it kind of even goes back to our question of the week of like self care. Don't neglect yourself. We spend our whole life, and I think nurses actually probably do have a high incidence of mental health issues, or not just nurses, healthcare workers have a high incidence of eating disorders and mental health issues because we're so used to taking care of everyone else. Yeah. And, and we put ourselves yeah. on the back burner. And we're here today to say, put yourself yeah. first. Yes. Love yourself. Yeah. Put your oxygen mask on before you help your your partner. Your, Airplane 101. Airplane 101. So, all right, you guys. Right. Thank well, you. Was, yeah, this was a good one. So thank you for taking the time to listen. Yeah. And we love the feedback. So please rate, comment, review. We have our Selena pins. We have our yes. swag that we will send you. We'll if send you, you a swag bag. Yeah. Rate, leave your IG handle. Yep. Make sure you're following us on our selfie podcast. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. Head over to www.selfiepodcast.com to check out our merch. I love a merch. Love a merch. I'm always moment. wearing the merch these days. Make sure you're, oh yeah, you're, we're both wearing merch yes, today. Are. I love girl, us. Look at us. Matchy, matchy. So mm-hmm. cute. And my cell phone cover. Oh yeah. I have so, the selfie podcast. And um, the I, mugs, by the way, the mugs, you guys are loving the mugs. Oh, I live in that mug that every morning. Oh, yeah. Coffee. It's fabulous. So thank you. And also you guys, when um, you get it yourself, make sure that you tag us so we can see you in your merch. It's yes, fabulous. So we can repost. And, and then follow us on Insta. Yeah, that's at Nurse Tori and at Hey Samantha with two A's. Hey. And we can't wait to see you guys next week. Yes, stay tuned. We're bringing you lots and lots of good stuff. Bye.